Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersena, from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Good morning, everyone. It's the Lawn and Garden Journal, and we're into September. Yes, we were also in September last week, but we had a little bit of a special show then. But we are live today, and the lines are open, 1-800-374-3315. And September, it's a rejuvenation. It's a next, the next season. Yes, the kids are back to school. We have all the little photos of our children and grandchildren showing their excitement about it. And the other thing about September is we're back to gardening. There is a rejuvenation and a stimulus to get back into garden for all those tasks that we have to do. And they're so welcomed because the temperature's cooler and we feel great getting back into that category of gardening again. But did you notice in the last few days, it's that transition of color. The leaves are starting to change. Yes, we we feel that crispness in the air. And after all that much heat this summer, it's a little welcoming. So indeed, it is September. Please listen. It's September, and the orchards are afire with red and gold. All the nights with dew are heavy, and the mornings sharp and cold. Now the garden's at its gayest with the salvia blazing red and the good old-fashioned asters laughing at us from their bed. Once again in shoes and stockings, the children's little feet, and the dog now does his snoozing on the bright side of the street. It's September, and the cornstalks are as high as they can go, and the red cheeks of the apples everywhere begin to show. Now the supper's scarcely over, ere the darkness settles down, and the moon looms big and yellow at the edges of the town. Oh, it's good to see the children when they do their little prayers, ducked beneath the patchwork covers when they tumble into bed. It's September, and the calmness and the sweetness seem to fall over everything that's living, just as though it hears the call of old winter trudging slowly with his pack of ice and snow in the distance over yonder, and it somehow seems as though every tiny little blossom wants to look its best. When the frost shall bite its petals and its droops away to rest, it's September in its fullness and the ripeness of the year, all that work of earth is finished, or the final tasks are near. But there is no doleful wailing, every living thing that grows, For the end that is approaching wears the finest garb it knows. And I pray that may I proudly hold my head up high and smile when I come to my September in this golden after while. We're into September and we're back into gardening. It feels good. I'm inspired because in the last week our daffodils, our tulips, and the allium, which I am totally blown away by, um, are starting to arrive And of course, too, if you're looking for that crop of garlic, visit your garden centers because the garlic is coming in for fall planting. We're going to go directly to the lines. Carol is on hold. Good morning, Carol. 
Good morning, Carla. It's a beautiful morning. You know what? I have to agree with you. It's that crispness that's in the air, and it just rejuvenates you. And yes, it's beautiful out there. It is. I must agree. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Morden. Well, good morning to everyone out in Morden. Well, thank you. Um, quite a few years ago, I can't even remember how long ago, I bought a strawberry vanilla uh, hydrangea from you. Yep. And in the, I guess the last two, two summers already, I'm noticing that the they start getting rusty looking quite early. I mean, they're nice and white, and then they get rusty looking, and they're much rustier looking this year. I'm wondering, am I missing something? Like I was thinking maybe iron or Epsom salt. Should I be doing something with watering? Is okay. Or is the rusting on the leaves, or is it the nope. blooms that are the flowers? The, blooms, the flowers. Okay. Well, you will see this, and it's probably is it on all the flowers, or is it just on some of them, and then they slowly all transition? Um, it's on most of them. Most of them. Okay. Uh, there's a couple reasons or rationale why this could be happening is they do kind of go to a rusty kind of brownish sort of taupey look when yeah. the blooms are finished. Now, do you get the crisp white and then the transition to pink and then it goes that brownie color? No, it, 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 it's barely starting to turn white and then it's, then the brown comes already. Okay. So if that's the case, um, I don't know if it would be this issue. That could be with A, happening with too much water or too little water. Because at the point where a flower and a blossom is open, if there's too much moisture, then it could cause the, the effect that's usually on the fruit or the flower first to have that effect that's going to show it. Um, okay. The other portion of it is if it's in a very dry site with quick drainage, hydrangeas do love that moisture content that is in their cells and properties so if it's in a drier site you might see that when the flower opens and if it doesn't continually get that um, repetitive moisture that's in it it could cause that bloom to uh, start saying okay I don't have enough moisture in me I've got to give up so it could be one or the other okay okay Um, everybody comments on the beauty of it I mean from a distance you can't see it that well but when I'm right when you're right beside it I mean it's really brown but I, I will think thing that it's probably that I'm overwatering in spring. Last year was so dry. Yeah, yeah. And I guess I thought it needed more water. So I'm probably overwatering it. Okay, it could be because we've had so much rain this year. And uh, I know, yeah. in, you know, um, I like to use myself as an example. Like I have some hydrangeas in my front uh, that you've probably heard the rabbits have eaten down a couple of times to just barely anything. Mm. And mm. this year... Uh, they actually got their uh, smaller uh, Bobo series, and they actually got to about two and a half feet tall. And I did not water them once this year, and they are gorgeous. Uh-oh. But uh, they're right in the location at the bottom of where I have a drain spout. So I think okay. that all the moisture they got, uh, they were there, but then they allowed to dry out in between, right? Yes. Well, we live in a condo, so I have mine... Um, on one on one side is the deck, and on the other side, right close, is the sidewalk. And I guess I thought it was probably too dry there, and I I wanted that those flowers to bloom. They're just huge this year, just huge. Oh, the hydrangeas! I have to yes, I have to agree with you. The hydrangeas, and I, I probably commented on a couple shows earlier, driving around on my out and bouts with um, jobs and all that kind of stuff. 
I'm looking around, and the one thing in people's yards that are just outstanding this year are the hydrangeas. So uh-huh. it's the, it's that moisture that we had, whereas the last two uh-huh. years uh, they struggled a bit. The blooms were a little bit smaller. But um, the vanilla strawberry hydrangea is probably one of my favorites, though I was able to go to Jeffrey's Nursery this uh, this this fall and do tour fields of their hydrangea selections. Oh. And I'm, I have a list of hydrangeas that I want to have in our nursery for next year. They are gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't have room for more, but that's okay. <laughs> I, I can love what I have. <laughs> oh, well, love what you have because the vanilla strawberry gives you that white, then it goes to that soft oh. pink, then a dark pink. Yeah. 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 It really does. Um, I do have one other little question about it. Is sure. there, I've been told you can get cuttings from it. Does that work or should I not bother? You could try doing cuttings on uh, your side of it. Um, you could try. Yeah, some people have, but you'll want to take it off of the new tippings of the I'm, more tender portions of the growth when it's on there. And just remember, okay. it's it's like any other type of rooting that you're wanting to do. You want to have at least two or three leaf nodes plus the bottom cut portion from your stemming in water or uh, your medium for it to root well i don't want it for me it's just people have been asking me and i i don't really want to cut it but yeah i'll i'll Um, see some people are successful with it and some people (coughs) sorry um are not successful but you could give a little test yeah it's always fun to experiment my husband says i have to ask you again i know the answer but he wants to know how far back can I cut it um, in now in fall? In the fall? Oh, okay. If you want to cut it back in the fall, uh, the general rule of thumb for hydrangeas and mature trees and shrub, uh, trees and shrubs is one-third. If you want yep, to be aggressive. That's what I've always done. That's what yeah, I've always, always done. I give you a uh, thumbs up right now. You have a, that's good. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much. And I wish everyone well with their hydrangea because we sure, all oh, that just so beautiful. Well, I have to agree with you. And I'm glad you talked me into it. (laughs) You will love it. It will just even get better. Year five and seven is year five and seven of trees and shrubs and uh, especially perennials. That Mm -hmm. is the kind of that perfect spot where it's just beautiful. All right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for calling. Bye-bye. We have the perfect morning to enjoy a cup of coffee and conversation about gardening before we get actually out into the garden. Uh, Before we go to Fred, uh, Carol, I also have to, I was remiss. Uh, I was just sitting here thinking of something else. Uh, Check your flowers as well. Uh, Sometimes uh, in certain instances, uh, if the hydrangeas are slightly under cover where you're, you're not getting a lot of topical rain, like if you're watering th- from the bottom, it's okay. But sometimes the flower blooms uh, are prone to spider mites too as well that I've sometimes seen. So check your blossoms too as well to see if there's maybe any insects on there. Uh, spider mites, if you want to see if that's the case, uh, take a piece of full scap or a clear white paper, tap a bloom on there, and maybe get a magnifying glass out. See if you see any small, delicate uh, little crawlers in there. Uh, you may have a little infestation of uh, spider mites on there. I'm, it might be water, but I just want to open that category there too as well, okay? Because gardening do, does come with bugs, all right? All right, let's go right to the lines. Fred is waiting. Hi, Fred. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. And where are you calling from? I'm calling from Winnipeg. 
Well, it's a beautiful day in Winnipeg as well. How can we help you? It is. Anyways, I was driving along a boulevard, and I seen a tree that has little clusters of red in it. What's it called? Oh, you're probably looking at probably uh, some of the hot wing maples that are out there. There's, um, they're beautiful little maple trees. Like you're probably looking at, um, yeah, probably the hot wing, I would say the hot wings maple, like they're in the Tatarian family that's on it. They have these little uh, red clusters that look like little wings that are on there in little cluster groupings. Right. What's that? Yes. What kind of maple? It's called a, a Tatarian hot wings maple. Uh, can you spell that first word? Uh, it's a T-A-T-A-R-I-A-N. So if you look, um, are you access to a computer? No, I'm not. I'm computer illiterate. Oh, okay. Well, if you, um, they are gorgeous. If you're close to one of your garden centers, if there's any left in stock, you could probably see what they look like. But it's a small ornamental tree that has. Oh, this one was about. This one was about ten feet high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You will get them. Uh, they will beautiful ornamental trees. Sometimes we see them planted. Um, I've sometimes seen them on a boulevard too, as well. Do they grow any bigger than 10 feet? Sorry, say that again? Do they grow any bigger than 10 feet? Yes, they should go a little bit taller than in there. Some of them uh, will go up to 20 feet. Oh, that's great. Just the right height. Yeah, yeah. So you probably saw a nice young one. And you know what? When you look at those Tatarian maples, it's like, looking around at uh, some of the fruiting trees, like some of the ornamental rosy, like the rosy blooms have so many uh, fruits on them. And this gives a a beautiful contrast color because in our area, a lot of our leaves have a tendency to go more of the very yellow to that golden yellow. So it's, it's a beautiful contrast when you get those bright seeds off of this that give you that pop of color, right? That's what I was looking for. Yeah, well, write down Tatarian maple, and you can look at uh, that. It's a beautiful tree. What do those ornamental trees roughly go for? Uh, the ornamental trees for that? Well, it depends on where you're going for your uh, pricing. If you want to know the pricing here, uh, you can call us. Uh, we can give you the pricing over the phone here at the garden center. But I don't know. Um, you know, it depends on A. When you're going to your garden centers, most of the, the pricing will be based on either caliper, size, uh, or pot size. Okay. Very okay? Good. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Well, you're very welcome. Thank you for calling. Bye now. Bye-bye. You know, it is. This is fall. And fall, such a con- it's kind of a contrast from spring because in spring we're, we're thinking about the flowers and the color. But in the fall... There's that continuity that we want the color and we are welcomed, yeah, by putting on some little sweaters and light scarves and taking that new uh, weather. But we love the color and the effect that our gardens give us in that transition. All right, we're going to go right to lines. Heather is waiting. Hi, good morning, Heather. Good morning. Good morning. And where are you calling from? Minnesota. 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 yeah. Oh, Minnesota. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, how can we help you? Just wondering, I've never done it before. How do you, what's the best way to store geraniums over winter? 
there are uh, probably a hand, well, not a handful, but uh, a. You can are they in the garden or are they in a pot? They're in a garden. They're in a garden. Okay, so you would probably want to dig it up. Mm-hmm. If you want to dig it up and put it in soil into a container, um, you could. If you have a nice sort of semi-bright area or a bright room that you can still continue to grow that into, it will not grow as flourishy that it would in the garden through the winter. You'll probably end up with losing a little bit of defoliation. You'll have to cut back on your watering a bit that's on it because they can go quite dry between waterings during the winter time. So if that's an option for space, Not you can do that. really. I don't really have room in the main floor. I was thinking more of storing them in the basement. Yeah. Um, in that case, uh, I know that uh, my my husband's Baba used to take them, clean the roots off, and she used to hang them upside down dry in a paper bag. Okay. And then in February, she would be pulling the bags off and she'd be putting soaking the plant in water and then potting it back up i was thrown away when i saw it but <laughs> they still grew then they still grew yeah i might try that just so yeah. just upside down in a bag upside down in a bag and you have to wash the soil and everything Great. off the roots do a little bit of light trimming on your rooting so mm-hmm. you can do that as well okay okay thank you very much oh you're very went uh, you're very welcome uh, okay <laughs> okay Enjoy the day. There, we're starting to think to see the to see the tone of gardening. It's we want to save these, and the other thing, um, it's beautiful. Like we should be starting to think about collecting seeds. If you have a seed structure that you're wanting to get, then it's perfect for it. it a little hint on that is if you want to collect seeds and you want to leave them on so that the seed production reaches reaches its full maturity. Uh, when it's close to being uh, opening, the flower will actually open these casements where the seeds are. And it actually, if you'll ever see, if you're on um, internet, you can actually see in slow motion some videos of the release of some of these seeds. So I like taking little Ziploc bags and putting them over some mature flowers where they still can get um, that light and that that's in there so when you get that explosion the little ziploc bag is full of your seed collections all right so let's go right back to line art is on the line hi art how are you hey good morning carla Very, good morning and where are you calling from i this am morning? calling from winnipeg yes it seems okay, like a gardening i have three thing. questions sure the first two are garlic related okay we'll start with the garlic okay a pie in the, in the i come i originate from the country eh okay and, okay, in my young days, I can't recall my grandparents or pioneers. Did they plant winter garlic in the olden days? Well, I, they, I think they must have, you know. Um, I don't, I can't historically say that. Uh, I don't, you know what, that's something to investigate. Um I, I'm thinking that they probably have because if they're trying to store or if they harvest some of the garlic, they may have put some in the ground. Someone had to have started it because it does work mm-hmm. that's in it. But I don't know how far back that it would date you. Right. Very good because question. I, I've been in the city for now, uh, I'd say, what, 45 years. And I've had a garden every year. Eh? But I, it's only the last, I would say, uh, six years that I've been planting garlic in the fall, late in the fall. Yeah. Well, um, 
I'm going to find that out historically. <laughs> like it's just, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I have excerpts of my, um, uh, there's a, a old book from where in Gainsborough, there's an old golden book that shows historical sort of mm-hmm. stories and that kind of stuff, but it's a massive book, but I don't know if they have an index that says when was the first time garlic was planted, but that is a, it's a good question. Mm-hmm. It may be a uh, European thing that was influenced. I, you know, just, I'm just talking out loud here, but I'm sure that someone had to have said, I'm going to put some in the ground this fall to see if it comes up. Mm-hmm. Because uh, we've Good. always, in my gardening world, it's always been spring and fall. Because I recall and when I was a kid uh, out in the country, my grandparents, uh, they used to, okay, in the fall time, they used to braid their garlic, and it hung behind a wood stove in the kitchen, No. Yes, yes. My uh, that's I always uh, reference uh, to our family and my husband's. Uh, I you gotta you gotta know. I came from a farming community. Hi, mom. Uh, I'm a city girl that had relatives that were all farmers, and uh, I I was introduced to a whole different culture in the Ukrainian world when I met my husband, and I went from uh, not knowing pierogi, sour cream, sauerkraut to uh, growing garlic so baba always braided a bunch of garlic and she actually uh showed me one year how to braid the garlic and you know not knowing the strength of this when i was a younger lady i put Mm -hmm. it in the house wow (laughs) i had to move it to the i had to move it to our shed for a little bit because you know uh 24 heads of garlic braided in the house when it was freshly done i thought it looked like a great kitchen accent but uh the power of garlic is tasty but the it was just like yes i know where you're coming from on that yeah. one yeah okay okay que- uh, question yeah. is i dug my garlic out yesterday i had about maybe uh, i planted last fall i think i had about maybe 125 bulbs it came up this spring uh nice you know uh, the greens, and then later on, you know, those little bulbs grew up on the tips of the stem. Yep. Okay, like so little... I cut those off because I heard on your program that you should cut them off because, and then your uh, bulbs will think, grow bigger. Yes. So, but anyway, just today I'm digging my garlic out, and I'm I'm digging maybe dug about five out. And they didn't look. They looked didn't look right. So, anyways, I'm digging, and then I found some that have the, the purple skin. Is it on them? Yep. I would say two thirds of my garlic don't have the, the that purple skin. Ooh. Well, did this you? Odd. Uh, some of them will have a purple skin that's on them. Because it's the hard neck varieties. Um, if if your garlic is purple on the outer portion of it, that is a different variety. It's usually that um, hard neck variety because it's a little bit more tougher in our area. And there is a chemical that is in a garlic that is um, I don't know if I can. It's got like it's got. I think it's got the word cyanin in it, which is color of purple mm-hmm. and blues that are in there. So it's this chemical reaction that is in the garlic that causes that to have that purplish color 
So you probably have a hard neck variety yeah. that's in well, there. Yeah. I've had this seed. This is this, this can be about the sixth year that I've had this this same seed. Yep. And the ones that don't have the purple uh, skin on them, uh, the, the ones without that, when I'm pulling it out of the ground, they're falling apart. They're falling off the stem. Okay, so you may have, um, if they're falling apart, check and see if you have a bug or something that's eating that's causing that disconnect for the oh, growth. Oh, yeah. Are there roots, like if you're missing on the ones that you're pulling and there's no roots on the bottom portion of the garlic, check uh, and see if you is, don't... Yes, there is a root, yes. There is a root? Okay. Yeah. So in some instances, you may see that if you have a bug infestation or if there is a not a maturity that's on that mm-hmm. bulb portion of it. So check those two things, okay? Okay. All right. We do we do canning, eh? Yep. A quart jars and pints. Now, <laughs> this this right now we we can't buy the lids. It's the mason jars. Yeah. You know, remember we used to use rubber rings, eh, on your glass tops. Oh, I can tell you that because I used I'm my parents had us uh, helping out with canning. Hi, good morning, mum. And so, yes, rubber rings. I remember those well. Okay, now uh, you you would purchase the lids that had the little bit of rubber on the underneath the the lid. Yeah. And the one, uh, it's a number. You can't buy those lids anymore. Oh, you know what? Um, I we've had a couple people that were coming in looking for them too as well. Uh, I don't know who would have. Uh, maybe if there's people that are out there listening right now, if you know where we could find them and share that with Art, um, <clears throat> you can uh, maybe call into uh, the show. Let us know where you've seen them last. And if you let me know, I'll even put it on my social media. Hey, if you need canning mm-hmm. lists, go go we, here. Yeah, <laughs> and, or out to the country too. We tried, you know, out in the country. Yeah. Uh, Salt Creek. We were to Stonewall. Oh wow! They don't have them. Well, I know but, that. They were um, made by Bernadine, was it? Yeah, yeah. You know what? You're giving me a little bit of a, a, a heart race here because I promised my daughter we would do salsa tomorrow. So I'm going to be on the hunt tonight looking for some sal- for some lids myself there. Mm-hmm. Okay. See, but, now, uh, we, the number of that lid was, I think, 78. Okay. And well, now you, uh, you, they don't have them. No place. You have to buy either the wide mouth lid yeah. or... The narrow mouth, which is a number 70 mm. So now we have, oh, we must have about five, maybe six dozen of these jars, and we can't use them. Oh, wow. You so know what? We, um, we have to yeah. go buy it because it's preserving time, so we have to buy some uh, new jars. Well, you know what? If there's out there, sometimes there are some mason jars out there that someone has. So if you guys are listening, mm-hmm. let's help out Art. If you can give us a message and sort of see if you have any of these uh, systems that are out there that we can go or where we can find your mason rings for you because it is canning season and there is a bounty out there that we are doing uh, a lot of preserving. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's a good little sort of hobby to get into and 
when you're doing this, it is so tasty. I know my uh, my mom who is in her late 80s, I couldn't mm-hmm. believe it. This lady was canning tomatoes and uh, hauling them up and down the stairs, getting her preserves as well. Yes. So it's a good thing to do. Thank you I'm, for calling, Art. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to try and phone the hotter egg colonies because they do a lot of preserving. Yeah. they. You know what? They might be able to give you a hand that's on there too as well. Yeah. Okay. okay. Very good, Carla. Okay. Thank you, Art. Okay. Okay. Enjoy your day. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. This is wonderful. We're going from everywhere from the garden and you see the transition. We garden, we enjoy our flowers and we take care of the bounty of what we're getting, right? From canning tomatoes to salsa. What are you doing with your bounty? Are you making corn relish? Hey, the corn is pretty tasty right now. So we're going to go right to the lines. Uh, Barry is waiting. Good morning, Barry. Good morning, Carla. I'm calling from Steinbach and I have two questions. Uh, relating more to flowers than, than the vegetable garden. That's okay. Uh, first of all, I was feeding my, uh, my bedding plants the other day, and I thought, well, what about my poppies and my uh, lilies and my um, uh, tulips and daffodils that have all gone dormant? Should I be feeding them as well at this time of year? Well, if you're wanting to do any type of feeding that's on your plants that have gone dormant, uh, a good root feed is what we would probably do. And um, I'm kind of an old school kind of gal. I would usually put a little bit of bone meal in as a, a base for those plants just to get them a little bit of energized. But we do not want to really promote the upper growth. So right. uh, bone meal is a really good root source for putting stuff in that's on it. We really, and I'm glad you brought this up because um, fertilizing now is uh, we. We definitely do not want to be fertilizing our trees and our shrubs. They have entered into their dormancy period. You can see that the uh, there's that abscisic acid that's in the trees that are now stopped, so that's where we're getting the chlorophyll decrease and the leaf drop. But perennials can benefit from a little bit. Bulbs, too, uh, if they're... Uh, planting in we always promote uh, bone meal as a planter in the fall that when you're doing new planting so on your older tulips if you know the location of where they are right. throw some throw some bone meal down for them so you just scatter dry bone meal and let it dissolve as it rains and, and with snow yes. and so on yes we've okay. had so much moisture and if it's wet already you don't want right. to recompound that let nature take it into the ground right okay thank you question number two with respect to my roses and these are not highly delicate roses. These are probably a mordant variety. They're blooming just beautifully now uh, because I've been deadheading them all summer. Uh, When do I stop deadheading those roses and allow them to go dormant? Well, I would probably say if I would let them, like right now in September, you're going to get a burst. And depending on where we are, I don't know if you've been listening. I heard early uh, news uh, this morning, and I'm watching the weather. Some of us in the northern area may get a little. There's a little frost warning that's kind of rumored out there right. uh, for tonight. But I would like uh, sort of say let them go now because there is a beauty within your roses to let the rose hips mature. And um, there's they if they could take on that tone and they kind of go rosy in the winter. If you leave those rose hips on, you get. Uh, a little bit of the winter interest, and you may also be favorable to the birds in your in your yard. It gives okay. them a little bit of something that's on there as well. So I so would, you would say, yep, stop you deadheading. You would stop deadheading already. 
Yep. Stop deadheading. Let the rose hips uh, start to mature. Okay. And then uh, it sort of tells the tr- it tells your shrub too to actively slow down. Exactly. Yes. Yep. 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 Very good. Thank you very much. Okay. You're very welcome. Thank you for calling. Bye bye. Bye bye. This is the transition time where we're going. I know it's so hard and uh, very the the roses right now. It's because. The weather is cooling. It gives our plants that reprieve that says, Oh, this feels good. This is nice. I'm re-energized. I can give that last hurrah and show. But we have to let people know that it's time to slow down. It's time to let the trees naturally go into their state because we do not want to fertilize and keep that promotion going. It takes them off their clock. And if we get hit by an early winter, we want to make sure that they're well in their dormant state before that shock of, yeah, it's going to be a shock, right? Um, Before that shock of winter transitions to us. But the one thing, and it's one that I will clearly endorse, is we've had moisture in the ground. It's a lot different than last year where our water table was really low. Our water table is high. But if we do know that cedars, junipers, evergreens, and as well as our uh, uh, shrubberies, a shallow shrubbery, really likes to have moisture around their, their rooting systems before we get into a true freeze-up. So that is one of the keys that we have for it. And the same thing, our perennials too, very dry. Foundations around houses have a tendency to be very dry. So those are locations that we want to keep our eyes on and sort of give them that little extra help to get them through that overwintering. Especially with their evergreens and your cedars, they need to take up as much moisture into those uh, evergreen cells structures to be able to combat that those winters and the winter winds. True. All right. Now, the next little thing that I sort of want to go through, because the conversation has been great, uh, is have you started cleaning up your yard in certain areas? Have you started cleaning up maybe those containers that have just sort of just not looking as crisp because this is the opportunity that it's fall to create fall displays that are welcoming and not only is it the tulip and the allium and the daffodil season that's out there it's also mum season i'm not saying mum hi mum i'm talking garden mum they're beautiful it gives you that transition to the next season and i love creating containers or giving a fresh crispness not necessarily to all the containers but the ones at the front door that give us that sort of welcoming feel to our curbside appeal purple fountain grasses mums things that love that cool crispness that's to it transition that pop out maybe some of the ones that aren't looking as great or maybe if you want to overwinter that geranium that's in that pot out it comes and in goes a beautiful mum with some ornamental grasses because soon the pumpkins will be here and your papa color beside those mums are going to be little mini pumpkins and gourds for such a classic little show for fall into thanksgiving so think of the next season i'm just throwing that twist out there that's this is the new stage that's coming right the leaves are changing now, don't forget too when you're thinking, and I'm, you're going to be, your head's going to be twisting. I have to do an outdoor container. I have to get my tulips and my bulbs in. And I must say, the tulips 
collections are beautiful transitions and yes I still like the old Dutch master or King Alfred daffodils that are in there but if you've not ventured into one category of bulb there is a class of allium and you're gonna go well allium is onion there is an ornamental onion category that people usually miss in the spring well they see it in the spring but they miss the opportunity for planting which is in the fall these are beautiful strap leathery thick leaves that radiate from the bottom but they have this beautiful stemming thick stalk with these large globe bulbs on the top so look for one there's a newer variety that's out there that's red giant it's a tiny little one most of the times we see the globe master varieties which go maybe be three feet tall when you see this large globe on the bottom but there's now a little one that's called red giant that it only grows about 10 inches tall that's perfect for the smaller garden and up close on the border there's a little hint that's on it and also too just before they tell me that we have to close out don't forget about your tropicals it's time to bring those tropicals indoor before we get hit especially if frost is coming let's take care of them and get them cozy indoors just before we leave art somebody did phone us and they said that in the Western cooperative magazine or noting they wrote an article that said that the size of lids that you're looking for they don't make it anymore so maybe the, the mason jars become beautiful little candle holders or vases. Let's recycle and think about what we can do to make with them. Thank you, everyone, for calling. We'll be back next week on the Lawton Garden Journal. Bye-bye, everyone.